Hello and welcome to Horrorcore Trashover, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. <laughs> we are talking this week about a film I discovered a very long time ago. A film I hold very close to my heart. <laughs> this is one of those films that I'd never, ever heard of until I met you. No, not many people have heard of it. And this. I seemingly no one else has ever heard of it. Probably for never. the right reasons. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely for the right reasons. This is a film I brought when I was first getting into uh, Trash to Pieces and was just trying to watch as, as much shit as possible and I came across this. A film that goes by the name of Evil Never Sleeps, a Tough Guy, Terrified and A Tough Bastard. Released in 1995. <laughs> None of them make any sense. No, and before None we get of those into it, make any sense. It, it, before we get into it, it's that fan mail time again. Uh, David Ayres on Twitter says that Demon Wind is better than Evil Dead. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Luke Turner on Twitter recommended <laughs> us to fans of horror court and trashy B movies and called us amazing. Thank you. Which is always good. Uh, Maz ha- had a lot to say this week. <laughs> She was confused as to why Pongo and Purdy from 101 Dalmatians were in Titanic The Legend Goes On. Uh, at one point she had no words about Titanic The Legend Goes On. And then she said she thinks it's awful, it shouldn't have been made and Howgate was better. Howgate was better. <laughs> <laughs> she knows she's going to grow to love Titanic The Legend Goes On. I don't think she is. Um, I think she's cursing us for uh, making her watch it. <laughs> Uh, October Rust, the 95 on Instagram, said we were about to transcend before we watched Titanic Legend Goes On and recommended The Legend of the Titanic because apparently it's worse. That's the one with the giant octopus, isn't yes. it? We saw, we kind of saw clips of it in Japanese um, and just the visuals were enough, I think. Yeah. One day, future podcast episode. Maybe. Simply Mad on Instagram wants to know why we inflicted Titanic The Legend Goes On on ourselves. Because of your entertainment. Because we care about people being entertained. And we sit through this shit to uh, provide that entertainment. <laughs> and finally, Kieran's Killer Collection on Instagram has seen Evil Never Sleeps. Somehow, he's seen Evil Never Sleeps. And uh, doesn't understand why it has so many alternative titles because it's not a video nasty. Um... It has so many alternative titles because... I, I don't know. Because I am going to try and explain it. Because when somebody releases a really shit film <laughs> that stars a few people that happen to go on to greater mm. films, um, then they like to re-release these films, give it a fresh new title, <laughs> and make people think... That it's, oh, it's the brand new Heather Graham it's film. It's the new Carrie Moss film. It's the new Carrie Moss <laughs> film. I would like to start, and then this is unprecedented. But before before we do, oh, okay. um, don't forget, if you've got anything else to say about Evil No Sleeps, the link will have been posted by now to watch the full film. It's on YouTube. Uh, let us know what you think of it. We're Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, and Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. Please continue. Yeah, I was just wanted, so I've got the DVD in front of me. <laughs> That Gary purchased. Spoiler filled DVD. What I what I presume is ten pence. Twenty five p. Twenty five pence. Yeah. So I won't go on about the design, how ugly it is, um, and how it is a spoiler. 
So this is from 2002, this DVD. Of course. So uh, <laughs> it says Hollywood's latest female superstar, Heather Graham, <laughs> from Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, Boogie Nights and Scream 2, is joined by Carrie Ann Moss, The Matrix, Balthazar Getty, was, was she? Was, was Balthazar Getty in this film? Blinking, you missed it. Uh, Balthazar Getty being famous for Natural Born Killers and Judge Dredd. And Lisa Zane, who uh, they believe's most famous roles were Bad Influence and ER. <laughs> Not Freddy's Dead, Not the Freddy's Nightmare. Dead. <laughs> so for any horror fans, Lisa Zane is, of course, Freddy's daughter in Nightmare uh, <laughs> on Elm Street Part 6, I Freddy's think, Dead. Do you know what? I, it's not very professional discussing this on the podcast episode, oh. but I think that might be uh, a strong contender for her 100th episode. Oh, Freddy's dead. I think that'd be pretty great. It, yeah, it has the Not potential. confirmed, but it, it's, it's a contender. I mean, it's the worst one by far. <laughs> I mean, it's it's certainly trash. But some people seem to love it. It's got a camp value, hasn't it? I could watch it over and over again, but yeah, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's got Much a camp like this value. Film. No. <laughs> Absolutely Come on, not. Lisa Zane. Queen but I will come back to the DVD. Uh, we might have to post a picture of it so people can see. Um, but once once we've gotten through it all, I'll... Uh... No, 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 Karen reading. Let's, let's hear what it's got oh, to say. Oh, would you like to know what it's... Okay, so Evil Never Sleeps. This ultra-dark shocker opens in tragedy <laughs> when a beautiful young woman watches in terror as her raging husband kills her lover <laughs> and then himself. Her life is made increasingly traumatic when she becomes the victim of a relentless stalker who casts an evil shadow over her every move. <laughs> is that what that film was about? So it's directed by James uh, Merendino, who... It, I was shocked. I, I've watched this so many times, and I've only just found out now that this is the same director as SRC Punk. Now, SRC Punk is one of my favourite films. It's it's so good, and it's Matthew Lillard's best film, um, without a doubt, performance-wise. I mean, obviously, it's best film screen, but performance-wise, uh, it, it is SRC Punk. He directed that, and it's sequel, which I haven't seen. Uh, Magicians, The Invisible Life of Thomas Lynch, and Trespassing, to name a few. Uh, I've not seen any of the others. I don't know the budget or how much it made. Um... But there's not a lot of trivia for this. In fact, there's only two pieces. The first being that uh, Marandino said the film was inspired by Roman Polanski's repulsion and said in an interview, I sort of ripped it off. Sort of ripped it off? You did. You ripped it off, mate. (laughs) No sort of it in there. And the second piece of trivia is also the director who said he was pouring philosophy into the film. The movie is about passive-aggressive misogyny destroying femininity in this country. It's said very subtly. Is it... does it say any of that. In the end, I think it's a misanthropic film. Okay, I I am... <laughs> a dictionary corner, because misanthropic... <laughs> let's have a little look. What does misanthropic mean? Because as far as I'm concerned, um, none of that is true. Uh, misanthropy... <laughs> is the general hatred, dislike, distrust, or contempt of the human species. No. So the um, film is about hating people. If if that's what he wanted to gain, that was a major misfire. 
Um, yeah, that I wasn't getting any of that. And as we go through the film, I'm pretty sure you won't get any of that either. No. Um, and, and the official plot synopsis... <laughs> official. Not the one I read out. No, no. The official plot synopsis... Traumatised after witnessing her jealous husband kill her adulterous lover and then himself, an unbalanced, nymphomaniac young woman finds herself stalked by an unknown assailant, but she cannot make anyone believe her desperate situation. Well, okay, number one, <laughs> I've got an issue with this film. I've got many issues with this film, but my biggest one, with that, with that description, nymphomaniac. <laughs> She don't shag that many people. That is slut shaming. Calling her a nymphomaniac is slut shaming. So it's a free people. Yeah, I know it's nineteen ninety five. The film was made, but by twenty twenty one standards, I mean the film takes place over a few weeks. It's a fairly long. Yeah. You know, three people in a few weeks. I've naming no names, but I've known plenty of people. Three three people in one weekend. You know. That's an infomaniac. <laughs> Naming no names. I'm only joking. I don't know. Do we I don't really to, know are you going to give a name? We're going to bleep it out. <laughs> I don't really know anyone like that. But come I'm on, mate. Curious you know, now. three people over a few weeks. It ain't that bad. You no. Know, she turns down someone as well. If she was an nymphomaniac, she, <laughs> she turns down more people probably than she actually sleeps with. And no one believes her desperate situation. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They Lisa Zane over. believes her for the whole thing. She does. Anyway, getting into it. Getting Olive, into it. Olive is typing like a maniac. Or some might say a nymphomaniac. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, whilst two guys talk about her husband killing someone. And we get to see the dead guy and Olive's husband killing himself while she's in the bedroom staring at them both looking really confused. Yeah, so Olive is played by Heather Graham. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, before we get into it, Heather Graham uh, has red hair in this film. The poster on Letterboxd uh, for Terrified, it's, it's titled Terrified. I don't know who the fuck that is. It's not her. It's, it's like the Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 situation. Yeah. This is a completely different actress. Completely different actress. Wearing, like, just a bed sheet <laughs> with, with a knife. knife in her hand. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Olive is played by Heather Graham. I say played. Um, Heather Graham doesn't do much out. No, bless, bless her art. I haven't said this in a while. Heather Graham, she's a beautiful woman. As every single male character in this film tells her, she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> she looks like Madonna. She looks like Madonna. <laughs> but she cannot act for shit. She really can't. I'm so sorry, Heather. If you ever listen to this, I do apologise. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you won't listen to it because you'll probably want to forget about this film ever existing. So you won't want to be reminded of it. But my lord, is she bad. <laughs> Terrible in this film. Terrible. She's going to Twin Peaks. No, she won't. She won't. Is she not? No. <laughs> She's the best part about the Hangover. I mean, it's not really a high bar to, to beat. But... Oh, I mean, she's she's a slave queen. I loved her in that episode of Sex in the City that she. Did, oh, she was. Where she played herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but my lord, is she bad in this? She's good in Fire Walk with me for like five seconds. <laughs> maybe five seconds is enough. Maybe I think I remember her being all right in Boogie Nights. She was, she was alright. She was alright in Boogie Nights. Okay. She did what she needed to do. Anyway, 
Uh, so Heather Graham plays Olive. She's in this room. It's never actually we we're never told what her job is. She's just typing very fast mm-hmm. in a room full of women typing very fast, as two men, um, old men, gossip. Yeah in the corner and don't really do much themselves. No. And that's that's kind of it. <laughs> they think she's one hell of a looker and apparently they do shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> Typing? No. So yeah, so is it at this point do we even know why her husband no. killed somebody else? No. But in the flashback this flashback, oh my god, it's just a guy like dead leaning against some um <laughs> some like cupboard or something and then the guy in the background he's on his knees and he ends up shooting himself and i mean the pans in this film are so fucking slow it is some of the strangest camera work i've ever seen oh my god it's and when i say it slowly pans i mean it fucking slowly pans to heather graham in bed who has just seen what we find out to be her lover and her husband shot two corpses in front of her and she looks like she's trying to figure out what she's having for dinner <laughs> it's fucking hell <laughs> and she's just there in bed like oh, oh. she's not even like that she's, she's just crying. confused she's making any she's just like she's like uh, KFC or McDonald's tonight <laughs> can splash out now they're all dead <laughs> After this shocking opening sequence, shocking, um, shocking. get some Microsoft Movie Maker opening credits oh. with driving shots and a very generic soundtrack. Come on, word up. <laughs> we, we then go to the lava bar. Why do so many of these shit films start I know, with I know. driving uh, yeah, credits? With Microsoft Movie Maker oh credits. Oh my god, why? Why? <laughs> I'd rather just have the credits. I don't need to see somebody driving. Like, we didn't... We don't even see... Do we even see her driving in the no, film? No, she just skates everywhere. She just... She does. She's a floater. She, she, she a has teelies. <laughs> she does. Um, so, we'll go to the lava bar. Um, lava we'll, lounge. Is it the lava lounge? Lava lounge. Oh, okay, sorry. Alliteration. Uh, two drunk guys are discussing how one of them wants to do more than just get laid. Whilst Olive has a quiet drink in the corner. She does. <laughs> Olive being the nymphomaniac that she is. This is the first time... This is the first time we see her in a... The only time we see her in a bar or, like, looking for a man. Yeah. You know? She wasn't even looking for a man. She minded her own business. She kind of... She was just, like... She was having, what, like a martini in the corner Yeah, and what was, in, what was in the glass? What was in the An glass? Olive. An olive. Oh. Fucking hate olives. Um, but she's there and they're talking so one of I get a little confused because they look very similar the two men so one of them's like ah oh, we need to get fucked and he was like I don't want to get fucked I want to be in a relationship <laughs> and so one of them cat calls to have a Graham mm. and um, and then they end up shagging in the car well we don't know because we don't see that we just we see him we just see him doing up his shirt but I don't know which one it is the one that wants the, a relationship the one that wants a relationship it was him. Oh. Yeah. So he's just gone back on his word straight well, away. He's got some really weird chat-up lines. Because he, t- he says, You're so fucking beautiful. I see us dancing naked in the fucking rain in Paris. What do you see? And she's like, yeah, okay, we've got to go. He's like, oh, come on, Molly. He's like, actually, my name's Olive. Um, you piece of shit. Get out of my car. And he said he's dreamed about getting a girl like her. 
Yeah. And then he asks, oh, and his best chat-up line is, did your parents name you Olive after an olive? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the first of many, 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 many awkward conversations in this film with awkward silences. Um, yeah, this whole, I see us dancing naked in the rain in Paris. <laughs> is that, are they Madonna lyrics? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I want to dance naked in the rain in Paris. I think they are Madonna lyrics. <laughs> Justify my love. It might be. It might be. Someone let us know if it's Justify My Love or Erotica. Something, probably something from the Erotica album. Uh, Olive tells him to tell his friends about it and kicks him out of the car. And he just stands there looking really sad for a long time. Yeah, so this is the nymphomaniac at work. Um, <laughs> she randomly shags a guy in a car, okay. No. And yeah, and she tells him to tell his friends. And he's like, no, I don't tell my friends about this stuff. Then she goes home and immediately tells her friend about it. Yeah. She calls Pearl. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's talking about, oh, you know, the misogyny and all that. This film is a fucking double standard. <laughs> because, like, the, the men can, like, that guy just shagged her willy-nilly. And then that's, that's fine. But she's the one being called a nymphomaniac in the fucking... <laughs> Plot description on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, she's on the phone to Pearl, played by Lisa Zane. Um, again, loosely played. Yeah. I mean, Lisa Zane isn't exactly... Now, she, she's the worst actress in Heather Graham. And maybe not in this, but in Freddy's Dead. And... Yeah, I mean, Lisa Zane hasn't got enough to work with in this no. film for her to be... We, with Heather Graham, we're meant to see many emotions from her, and we, we, we barely see one. <laughs> Uh, whereas Lisa Zane, she's just kind of there to chat shit for a yeah. whole fucking film. Well, I mean... This I is loved a, her in ER, though. This is a perfect example of a chat and shit because she's like, oh, oh, I'm watching something amazing on TV. Quickly, turn the TV on, have a look. And Olive's like, um, I don't have one. Been meaning to buy one now. So, like, oh, quickly, it's on again. She's like, no, I don't have a TV. What the fuck is this conversation? Oh. <laughs> we'll never find out what she's watching on no. too. And then, and then Olive has a flashback to this drunk guy he, eating her out at the side of a car in a car park. Don't. So they didn't show it. No. But then we get it in a flash. So she's on the phone to Pearl and she's having this flashback. And it's not... It's difficult because, again, we get no emotion from Heather Graham. <laughs> um, so she's getting eaten out. But she's not showing no... She's so... She's not, like, having a fond... Reminisce. She's not smiling. No. She's not laughing. She's just remembering what happened to her. <laughs> in the middle of a car park. In the middle of a car park. <laughs> so here we go. So this is the nymphomaniac we want. Somebody who gets eaten out in the middle of a car park. That's a nymphomaniac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the last time we'll see um, a guy with his head in uh, in all his funny by the end of the film. Um, so wait, yeah, she never actually gets a shout, does she? No, no. Uh, Olive's friend uh, Pearl clearly just wants to get off the phone, but Olive Olive goes to bed. Uh, we get it's, to see her. It's a really abrupt end to the call. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, we we get to see her apartment in the dark for about five minutes. We, oh we can't God. see a single thing. Can't slow pan. And then we go into her bedroom, which is in her PJs, her really ugly PJs. Um, she's admiring herself in the mirror before going to bed. And then we go to the next day, uh, she gets out of the lift with her groceries, and a guy who uh, lives or works in the building she lives in, turns to her and says, hey, um, I see you have some groceries there, huh? 
Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful there. Wouldn't want anything to happen to that beautiful body of yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this just... isn't a comedy, by the way. No, this is meant to be a serious horror thriller. So this is... And this is what... And I've said it before. So this is what many filmmakers mistake for um, dealing with issues. So he's saying that, oh, we're dealing with the issues of misogyny and um, what women have to go through and, and all that stuff. Just showing it or just mentioning it isn't dealing with it. <laughs> no. Because there's no... This guy, you know, he's a creep and there's no consequences for him. There aren't any. So what's the point? This is actually... So this is just a creep. This isn't too far departed from uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, God. Where every guy's like, oh, yeah, look at those tits. Oh, fucking hell, check her out. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Show us where you piss from. Woohoo! That's literally that's what everyone's like in both Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four and this film. And the thing is, they're in a lot of films, and it is representative <laughs> of you know real life. It is shit like that happens all the time, but it's it's not dealt. If you're not dealing with it, then what's the point? You're you're just Ooh. showing it. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the film itself. No. No, but it tells her to be careful of her beautiful body. So she walks into her apartment, and in a bizarre series of events, a random guy in a woolly hat and fingerless gloves stares at her for a little bit, and it goes far too long, and then punches her in the face and runs away. Yeah. She's like wrestling with her groceries for a while as well, and then he's just watching her, and he just punches her in the face and runs away. And so she stands up, looks around, realises she's trashed the place, and she's like, fuck her. <laughs> now, when you say trash the place... You turn the TV upside down. She's got no TV. She's got no, no TV. TV. I swear that was a TV upside down. What was it? I don't know. She's, she's got barely any furniture in there. Barely any <laughs> anything, really. Um, it turns out later that she's got a bookcase that mm-hmm. seemingly was untouched. Because yeah. there's not books everywhere. He's, he's kind of just flipped, like, a coffee table over and pushed a chair over, and that's about it, really. Um, but, yeah, I suppose you can't really trash a place that doesn't have anything in it. So he did he did the best with whatever he had. Well, this series of events gets even more bizarre when the police arrive. Uh, this... I'm, I, I'd say this is my favourite sequence of events in this film, but... Yeah. But... There's a scene later on that is one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history, so... Yeah, that that definitely beats it. Um, But she's uh, she's got the police around, Pearl's there, and her old boyfriend, Not Terry, is there. Uh, You'll find out soon enough why he's called Not Terry. Um, Olive asks the police if they just did for fingerprints, and the police officer replies if you just told us he was wearing gloves. He was wearing fingerprint gloves, uh, finger fingerless gloves. So, I mean, she why did she not mention that? Yeah, and why are the police saying that? Like, surely they would just check anyway. These are some of the worst police officers I've ever seen in any oh, film. Don't. Uh, and she was like, oh, "I left my bedroom window open," and uh, and <laughs> and then not Terry tells her that that wasn't too bright. So she says. 
Thanks, Terry. And he says... What does he say? My name's not Terry. <laughs> Pearl, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> what the fuck? And this guy, he's dressed like a mechanic. So I got really confused as to who he was. Um, because as far as I'm concerned, Pearl didn't... Didn't Pearl talk about... On the phone the previous evening... Because we're led to assume that Lisa Zane sat next to her on the couch is Pearl. <laughs> yeah. Who she spoke to on the phone the previous evening. I thought she talked about someone called Bob. Bob is... Uh, is Olive's dead husband. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I got a little confused there. Uh, Pearl quickly changes the subject... And she's like, how did how did he know the window was open on the fifth floor? She doesn't even change the subject. She doesn't acknowledge it. No, she doesn't it. acknowledge it. She doesn't acknowledge She doesn't stop. She doesn't... There's nothing. She just, she just carries on talking. She raises a very good point. The fact that it's the fifth floor and they're supposed to believe that this burglar actually climbed up five floors outside yeah. and got through her window. Yeah. Um, but... Not Terry is far too concerned of who Terry is. Like, who the fuck is Terry? Still going on about Terry. <laughs> Pearl still ignores him. Yeah. <laughs> and she tells Olive she needs to be careful because he might be coming in there to rape her. Yeah. Why is that an assumption? Like, really? No, I suppose it is because every single man um, Olive has come into contact <laughs> with so far in the film has referred to her yeah. beauty. <laughs> You're so beautiful. All of them. That's a good point. All of them. And then the police officer decided to go on a bit of a rant. And um, similar to our Shivers episode, I will give you that full rant. Um, to tell you the truth, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> oh, God, my handwriting's terrible. Is it a woman's handwriting? It, it, yeah. Something we what? let it get in this film. This is an unsafe town. You have to be aware. That's the only way you can protect yourself. You can't blame. You can't blame uh, this guy. You have to blame society. <laughs> it's crumbling all around us. <laughs> we have to do everything we can, and then he's stopped. Thankfully, um, so yeah. So this police officer has gone in and said, "Well, what do you expect? It's an unsafe town." Of course someone's going to punch you in the face as you walk through the door. <laughs> in your own apartment. But it's not his fault. It, it's, be it's because of uh, society. It's crumbling. Society's crumbling. That made me suspect him. <laughs> yeah, well, the other police officer stops him and is like, oh, don't worry about him. He loves philosophy, he does. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> uh, excuse me, he always goes all philosophical. Uh, this guy is an animal... I'd shoot him if I could. <laughs> <laughs> and then he asks, he asks why not Terry is there. And not Terry can't give a straight answer. He's like, uh, I'm hoping to get relations to her soon. Yeah, what? It, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, that's because, all suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, not, so not Terry upsets the trigger happy police officer. <laughs> and so the trigger happy police officer asks him, well, what are you doing here? Who are you? And uh, he says, I have a sociological interest. And then insinuates that he wants to get with Olive. Because yeah. he looks at Olive yeah. and he says it. Oh, no, I have an in interest in getting <laughs> to know her, you know. Um, but then starts pestering Pearl before he yeah. leaves. You're asking who Terry is still. Yeah, still asking fucking Terry is. And Pearl just, like, kicks him out. And then, <laughs> and then she tells Olive... Uh, 
He's an old boyfriend. I just wanted a man here to protect us. Wait, so Olive didn't even know who that was? No. <laughs> this is confusing because she acts... So Pearl's acting as if she has no interest in the, the guy we find out called Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, so she acts like he has, she has absolutely no interest in him. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Just putting that out there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Olive says, I'm just really worried about that guy. Pearl says, who? Kirk? He's harmless. And then I was like, no, the guy who hit me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the, 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 the reason the police were around, the guy that punched me in the face for no apparent reason. Well, <laughs> the guy who pushed over my very small amount of furniture. Pearl would love to horsewhip the son of a bitch. Oh, God. And she decides she's going to stay there. She's going to stay up, drink and be silly. Olive turns out and ignores her. Yeah, she does, yeah. <laughs> Olive, she talks some shit though, actually, Olive as well. So Olive starts, after, you know, so they're drinking some wine. Um, the girl is getting the wine out. The girl's getting the wine out. Olive feels like she knew the guy that punched her in the face or knew all her life <laughs> what he wanted and what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she knew all her life. Yeah, but you're but missing. Didn't. You're missing a very important piece of information before this. Okay. Terry is the real artist, whereas Kirk's just a mediocre one. Oh, that was after that. Was, was it? it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Terry's a real artist. Yeah. Kirk's just a mediocre one. Yeah. Yeah. So again, Pearl doesn't like Kirk. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's not interested. She just needed a man there for when the police were there. She just needed a man there. Yeah. Um, Olive wants to know if a mediocre artist is any different in bed. <laughs> and Pearl wants to know how guys and sex are with Olive before giving her a lecture on not going out enough. Yeah, but she got shanked the night before. <laughs> yeah, she literally she told her out. that. She went out to a bar, <laughs> got, you know, the guy went down on her in the car park, and then the next night Pearl said, you don't go out and it. <laughs> You, you need to you need to get with a fella. That's what you need. Oh, I'm sorry. Is you know getting licked out in a car park not enough? Isn't adventurous enough for you, Pearl? I do apologise. Does she need two blokes on the go at one time to, uh, to have a uh, valid sex life? She gets Pearl gets more wine and starts talking about how difficult life can be. Uh, Olive is suddenly drunk after a sip of a second glass of wine. And decides to sleep on the sofa because she doesn't want to move. Yeah, this is just, again, some really awkward dialogue between the two. Like when Pearl goes, you okay? And Olive's like, yeah, of course. Well, not of course, she got fucking punched in the face. You came to your, into your own home, got punched in the face. You don't know who your attacker is. They ransacked the place. No, you're not okay. That stuff stays with you. <laughs> the next day, the cameraman is following Olive walking down the street. Yeah. The, ne- the next day, they steal a shot from uh, Repulsion. <laughs> She's walking down the street and some construction workers start saying, Whoa, you're fucking beautiful, you are. You look like Madonna. You look like Madonna. She does not look like Madonna. <laughs> <She just> does. <laughs> 
Um, she doesn't really. She really doesn't. No. No, she certainly doesn't look like nineteen ninety five Madonna. No. She kind of looks more like Ray of Light Madonna. <laughs> Sorry, was that super gay? So. <laughs> um. Yeah. So she ignores them and walks down the street, and she looks like she doesn't know how to walk. She doesn't. She doesn't know how to walk. She really doesn't. And who happens to pull up beside her when she's checking herself out in the uh, in the shop window? Well, we don't actually get a queer a, a queer look, a clear <laughs> look. I mean, anyone listening I mean, to this any, podcast any of gets a queer, a queer look. Queer look. Uh, but you don't get a clear look at the guy anyway. No. Um, but by the way she reacts, <laughs> it seemingly it's the guy that punched her in the face. Yes, um, in a big white car. Yeah, in a big big white car. She goes to speak to a detective who looks like Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> she runs for a very fucking long time. She does run, time, yeah. If she that's what she really that. does. For what is... How long is this film? Barely an hour <laughs> an and a half. An hour and 25 minutes. hour and 25 minutes. So much filler. Like these slow pans, awkward silences in the uh, conversations. And she runs for the hell... A lot longer than yeah. she really, it's really necessary. Yeah, she, she goes to speak to a Dan Aykroyd lookalike. Um... <laughs> About the burglar in the big white car, and uh, he shows us some mugshots. And again, we see this mugshot scene for so long. Oh my god! You see every mugshot in this fucking book. Yeah. So the police officer, so the first police officer, which we'll see for the rest of the film, whose name I don't know. So he's police officer. Um, he's sort of like quite sympathetic, and then he goes to his colleague. Oh, can you show Olive? You know put her into the room and she can have a look at the mug shots which is just like a photo album like a family photo album <laughs> of mug shots just completely random ones it was like well these are the newest criminals we've got in yeah one of the guys <laughs> has a big grey moustache and he's pouting yeah and he, he do you know what and he's literally like well I'm a bit busy at the moment ah oh, you owe me one ah oh, I can't believe I have to do that ah oh, fucking hell ah oh, what this bitch one ah oh, ah oh. which is just I just don't because it doesn't lead to anywhere. No. You could have just had police officer one just show her. Just show you know why? <laughs> why are you wasting money on having to pay this actor for a speaking part rather mm-hmm. than just being an extra? It's a waste of money. Yeah. You could have spent it on some decent um, graphics for the credits. <laughs> but you're paying this guy for a speaking role for absolutely no reason. <laughs> Yeah, so she she goes to the book, um, couldn't find him in there, and uh, Dan Aykroyd tells her she's just being paranoid because she lives alone. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of that shit in this film. And it, this is, again, the, the, the director trying to speak on women not being believed, which is, which is fine, you know, which is fine. But again, it doesn't deal with it properly by the no. end. So it touches on it. You know, this woman says she's been attacked. She's not believed. You're just being paranoid. She thinks she's being followed. You know, you're just being paranoid. Women not being believed. I yeah. get it. Yeah, great. So um, she's in bed whilst the loudest helicopter's flying by her apartment. Oh my God, was that helicopter right outside her window? <laughs> She was like a fucking haircut if she poked her head out. Her neighbours are having a big argument about it and how the police are just doing their job. Yeah. Olive gets a call. Um, no one speaks, so she stares at her slippers for a while. <laughs> God, I got that down as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just stares at her slippers. Just stares at her slippers. <laughs> really long shot of her slippers for some reason. <laughs> staring at her slippers. And then she calls Pearl. Pearl must be used to getting um, dodgy calls. Because she says, hello? I can hear you breathe, asshole. I know. <laughs> Olive hasn't even said a word by this point. So this is what I'm assuming is Pearl. Um, she's been getting these weird calls. I'm assuming. That's why she would react like that. I can hear you breathing. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so she thinks a guy is calling her up and uh, being dead silent on the other end. Yeah, so Olive reveals herself and explains what happened, but Pearl tells her it's just paranoia. And she's like, should I come over? And Olive's like, no, but do you need a roommate? She's like, oh, God, no, I'd go crazy. (laughs) What? (laughs) Why'd you keep offering to go stay with her? What I don't, what I also don't understand is why Pearl just says it's paranoia as well. Yeah, she believes her in every other scene. So yeah, so this whole thing of women not being believed by men, why would you have Pearl not believing her and calling it paranoia? Just for one scene. Just for one scene, and also, how bad is this fucking town? <laughs> like she punched in the face the moment she walks through the door. She's followed in a car. A mystery person's calling her up and not saying anything, <laughs> and people are dismissing it all. Yeah. How bad is this town? Ta- Maybe that police officer was right, <laughs> and society is crumbling. <laughs> she gl- she uh, she grabs a glass of whiskey and goes back to bed. <laughs> and yeah, then, essentially, and she's oh yeah, and realizes she's left her bedroom window open again. <laughs> Now, she shouldn't have done this because the burglar jumps out of the shadows and attacks her, repeatedly punching her in the face with Street Fighter-style sound effects. Yeah, they are Street Fighter-style. <laughs> <laughs> he then leaves her on the floor along with a broken lamp. Yeah. She wakes up, seemingly the next day, in the hospital. Dan Aykroyd's had a haircut. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, yeah, he has, actually. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd asks her who could conceivably do this to her. And she says, my husband's brother. Like, oh, God. (laughs) Now she decides. Now she decides. Um, But then I was a bit confused. So she says, my my husband's brother, who she'd only met once at the wedding, (laughs) who fell out with her husband before her husband died and didn't attend his funeral anyway. Um, yeah, so this is the... Isn't it... This reminds... Is it I Still Know What You Did Last Summer? Where the killer turned out to be someone who had absolutely nothing to do with the guy anyway. Maybe. No, because it's a son. Yeah, but he didn't... He he was a son that wasn't even part of his life anyway. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's like, why are you getting vengeance? Oh, no, no, no. No, it's a Scream 2. This is always my issue with Scream 2. Oh, okay. It's the mother that ran out on them, had absolutely nothing to do with them, even when they died. We we do not talk ill of... um... Of, Debbie Saul. Debbie Saul. Debbie And her white pantsuit. It just reminds me of that. Like, okay, so you couldn't be asked to go to the funeral, but you're killing to get revenge. 
Okay, when are you going to stop reading Debbie Salt to Phil? I'm sorry, I love Debbie Salt. This is a Debbie, it's a Debbie Salt stand podcast. I know this is a Debbie Salt stand <laughs> podcast. I love her, but her reasonings are a bit iffy. But um, <laughs> we find out there's a lot of guys out there who'd like to beat a pretty face like Olive. Oh honest. my God, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> is the exact words. There's a lot of guys out there who'd like to beat a pretty face. I can tell you that. Which, I just which tell it like it is. But that's the thing. But it's true. It's true. But just mentioning it doesn't mean you're dealing <laughs> with it. I, I hate that in films. Just because you're saying it, it means fuck all. Because you're not dealing with it. And and the thing is, the twist at the end renders all this completely fucking pointless anyway. <laughs> yeah. Dan Aykroyd takes her home, uh, checks her apartment. And he's taking a special interest in the case because he doesn't want some punk out there making him look like a fool. Why is he making it all about him? Yeah. But he's, so what we get is that he fancies Olive. Well, we find out now when he tells her she shouldn't be alone twice. Yeah. And asks her if she likes ribs uh, before saying no one eats meat anymore. Oh my God, they're just talking shit. Absolutely talking bollocks. It's extremely <laughs> awkward. So slow. He, he, he really ask... badly acted flirting. <laughs> he asks her out, gets a few maybes, uh, and then suggests that they have Indian food and some of that Nahan bread. He then says, do you like that bread? That Nahan bread? It's a good kind of bread. Nahan bread. So Olive, being the nymphomaniac that she is, suggests that he takes out her friend Pearl instead. <laughs> And the thing is, it's not like this guy's a... I, I assumed that they were just going to get it on. That's yeah. what I assumed. Because he's not an unattractive guy. He's not massively older than her. You know, he's not... He's, he's you know, an attractive man. You know? She's an nymphomaniac. And she's an nymphomaniac. But she turns him down. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't understand why she wouldn't have jumped at the chance. Um, and still, by the end of the film, I don't understand no. why that never happened. If that's what her character is meant to be, you 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 advertising an infomaniac here. I'm gonna need a few more sex scenes in this film. Yeah. Yeah, she tells him to take Pearl out instead. Uh, he says he's gonna ask Pearl, but he can't ask Pearl, and then leaves. Oh, well, yeah. He says I'm not. I'm not gonna ask Pearl. And then Olive throws a 60s-themed party in her apartment after she just got out of hospital for being badly beaten in her apartment. Yeah, so in a little preview to Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, um, <laughs> Heather Graham is throwing a 60s-themed party. But we all know why this was there. Uh, Heather Graham, who is not dressed in 60s no. attire. Uh, we all know, yeah, of course. It's the nod to reporting, isn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Carrie Ann Moss is there. Carrie Ann Moss is there. In the background. She is. She's dressed like... Um, Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, Terry um, shows up with his boyfriend. You know, Terry, as in uh, Pearl's ex. Well, Terry looks like a really bad Moby tribute act. <laughs> he does. Um, he's got those very 90s goggle-style glasses on. <laughs> he turns up with uh, a guy who's wearing... Um, oh, Beret. It, it's not... No, no. It's one of a... 
I is it Kangol? Is it? Yeah, the one of those Kangol hats. Ah, uh, I can't remember who wore one famously. Um, but it's like a beret. It's very close to a beret. Um, but yeah, it's very very nineteen ninety five. Yeah, Pearl Moxon's bald head, and uh, Kirk introduces himself to Terry at last, and they start talking paintings, followed by a completely inaudible conversation. Yeah, um, completely. Which then ends with because this really stock sixties music's playing. Yeah, that's what we've yeah. the Austin Powers theme. <laughs> Yeah, and you can't hear a thing they're saying. No. And then Kirk just punches Terry. Yes. And Pearl gets in the way to break up the fight. Um, Kirk offers to shake Terry's hand, uh, but then punches him again. <laughs> yeah. So, as earlier in the film, Terry is described as a proper artist. Yes. Uh, Pearl, uh, Pearl seems to be in a relationship with Terry, <laughs> and Kirk was just some guy... That she wanted round to help with the police. Um, but, but she says Kirk's her old boyfriend. Her old boyfriend. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wants, just wants him around. That he, She didn't want him back in her life. Um, but then Terry gets two punches. Yes. Um, and seemingly that's the last we see of Terry. <laughs> did it see, kill him? We don't see Terry again. <laughs> um, one funny thing I did get out of that inaudible bit is... And Kirk says, are you Terry? And Terry's like, are you lost? <laughs> um, so so uh, Kirk decides that the best course of action after punching Terry twice in the face <laughs> is to pull a completely random stranger at the party. After stealing her drink. After si- So he takes a big gulp of her drink, <laughs> spits it out because it's mineral water, <laughs> and then decides... That um, he's going to pull her, and he does. Yeah, he does. And they they literally, they straight away go into uh, Olive's bedroom, and have sex whilst Olive watches in a chair in the corner. Olive, so Olive, who's already gone into the room to escape the party, uh, they don't see her. I really don't know how. I really seriously do not know how they don't see her. Um, she we get a very close up look of Heather Graham looking how I described as constipated um, <laughs> while she's watching them shag. Um, we get the first and last bit of nudity in this film. Um, so we've got a film about a nymphomaniac, um, but the only sort of nudity we get is this random woman that was pulled at a party yeah. that Kirk has sex with. Um, uh, Olive kind of just leaves the room mm-hmm. um not particularly stealthily but she's still not still not seen no still not seen or heard um it's not the biggest room in the world is it no and when she leaves i think she kind of wishes she went back because everyone's talking at once and she is just not having a good time at all do you know what another thing I, I know i keep going back to this but it, it's kind of insulting <laughs> to call her a fucking nymphomaniac <laughs> Because if an infomaniac was watching two people get it on, knowing that those two are complete strangers to each other, she'd be like taking her clothes off and say, let's, you know, <laughs> let's make this a three-way. Yeah. But no, she just sits there looking like she's trying to push her shit out. Yeah. Whilst watching them. She's, uh, she's introduced to Sarah, who has a really ugly haircut. Um, and she, Sarah's so nice to her. But then... Olive just randomly says to her, 
oh, did you say you were pregnant? No, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so like the, the 20th awkward conversation in the film um, is Sarah introducing herself. Uh, it's first and last time we see Sarah. <laughs> Completely pointless scene. Um, Olive's spaced out and yeah, just, did you say you were pregnant? No. <laughs> there we go. Um, Pearl notices that Olive's being weird and decides it's time to end the party. Um, Kirk's the last one there. He's very, very drunk. Yeah, but she gets a phone call, doesn't she? Does she get a phone call before? Olive gets a phone call in the party. Oh, I was at the party, yeah. Yeah. And he does that thing, cliche thing, where the room goes a little out of focus. Yeah. And uh, as Carrie and Moss is leaving, she's like, oh, can I have to tell you about those calls about from that weird guy? Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, Carrie and Moss, whoever she plays, uh, it's just called her Audrey. Um, It makes it easier. So Audrey essentially just says, yeah, um, oh, I've been having weird calls too. <laughs> That's it. Great. Cool. <laughs> so these three women have been having really weird calls and they're not piecing them together. So, see, so, <laughs> so Pearl knows that Olive has been having a weird, well, she had one weird call. She knows Audrey has been having a weird call. Mm-hmm. Her reaction to the phone call the other night, seemingly she's been getting weird calls. Mm-hmm. But Pearl doesn't really piece it all together. Mm-hmm. At no point does she say, I guess something weird's going on here. You know that part in Nightmare on Elm Street where they all realise that they've been having the dream yeah. about the same guy? That's what this moment should have been. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen. No. So the calls are... Comp- Completely pointless. No, instead she just uh, has a moment with Kirk where he keeps trying to kiss her and uh, she tells him he lives next door and go home. That mineral water. Yeah, I don't... How does he live next door? How the fuck does he live next door? How the fuck does he live next door? (laughs) And yet she didn't know her name. Like, if he lived next door... Because literally, Pearl says, walk out the door and turn right. And you're home. <laughs> you don't need a front door key. He must have left his key unlocked. Or, yeah, because he lives next door to her. Because he lives <laughs> next door. Yeah? How did... How did... Olive not know his name? He said, oh, it's Terry. He's your fucking next door neighbour. <laughs> oh, and she said, well, what was he doing? Oh, it's an old boyfriend that I wanted here. No, it's your next door neighbour. <laughs> what is going on? What the fuck? Shitty... Crappy writing is going on here. <laughs> it makes no sense. They have uh, they have a gossip in the kitchen, Pearl and Olive, and uh, Pearl's like, "How about that terrier? What an arsehole!" No, he's actually minding his own business, and he got punched in the face twice. Yeah, he was being a bit snooty, but then this Kirk was standoffish to begin with. And, um, then... and, and Kirk is what he clearly can't care that much about trying to win Pearl back. No. Because he was having a good time in Olive's yeah. bed with some random woman. And and then she's like, oh, and that Tracy, oh, she's fucking overdressed. And she's been getting some calls with some guy. Oh, Tracy. I called her all. Oh, yeah, it's Tracy. Yeah, yeah. She just says her name once. Tracy, yeah. Yeah, so overdressed Tracy. Ugh. Why was she overdressed? It was a costume. <laughs> it was a fucking 60s fancy dress party. She she went as um, Holly Golightly, you know? Duh. 
This is probably as basic as a 60s, you know, costume goes for women. <laughs> Pearl tells Olive she has a big problem because she's been moping around, feeling guilty, and didn't talk to anyone at the party. Feeling guilty for what? That's what I said. I'm guilty for what? For being attacked in her own apartment. Yeah. That's so... Yeah. Like... And, and she says, she's like, your husband's death is not your fault. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't say it was. She never said it was. She never said it was. And she's like, and this is the weird bit that I didn't understand. I'm just sick of people taking advantage of you. That's all. Who? <laughs> Who? Who said that? Who? Who's taking advantage of her? No one. Who? 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 You know who's about to? Yeah. Pearl. <laughs> oh, I want to know about that. Okay. <laughs> so, in a little bit of... Um, bound. Forced. Yeah, a little bit of bound. <laughs> uh, a little precursor to Mulholland Drive. Um, I'm, I'm quite proud of this one, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Uh, in my letterboxed review, I did call it Mulholland Dyer. Um, <laughs> we get a little bit of pointless lesbian action. Yeah? Yes. That'll draw the crowds in to the film. It's, it's on the back cover. Is it on that back cover? Is it? Is it because it's on um, one of them online? No, no, no it's One of them not. online, it's got a picture of both of them post-sex. Oh, I see. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, a little bit of pointless lesbianism to get in the uh, young male crowd. Yeah. Um, yeah, how very insulting. Yeah, they have, a, they have a kiss and then it skips to them post-sex by the sofa. Uh, Pearl is sleeping and Olive's watching the fireplace. <laughs> Are you sure it's the fireplace not the slippers? <laughs> well. Might be the, the slippers. The next day, Pearl basically tells Olive it only happened because she was drunk and suggests ways of moving on. Olive tells her it's best she does nothing and see what happens. And it never comes back. And guess what they do? Nothing, nothing and see what happens. <laughs> like, apps completely point like really seriously insulting to lesbians. Yeah. Let, let's be fair, you know. Um actual or, or bisexual women, mm. you know, actual bisexual or lesbian women or um pansexual women aren't there for cheap titillation no and and so many it's certainly not the first film to do it or and the most last. certainly not the last to do it but it, it feels cheap in in this film and mm. it, of course it, it's Mulholland Drive does it but I feel like Mulholland Drive does it differently yeah because we have more of a that sort of connection mm-hmm. between um the two uh leads in mm-hmm. that film whereas this film it's just a cheap ploy to get a picture of them kissing on on some sort of in some sort of magazine or something to, to yeah. advertise the film it really feels just a cheap tactic to draw in a crowd yeah of, pretty much uh, yeah of a certain age and gender it's now night time and olive is walking back and forth in a room uh, when a brick is thrown through the window and the burglar's trying to get in. And what does it say on the brick? <laughs> Much like the film, <laughs> you're dead, slut. <laughs> Much like the film, uh, she gets slut-shamed via a brick. <laughs> and do you know what? This is only the second person that she's had an intimate moment with. <laughs> and actually... the. 
Film-wise, obviously, I've just had a little bit of a rant about the previous uh, encounter with Pearl. But, you know, actually, they're good friends. And yeah. potentially, you, you know, if, if they were in... Uh, if they were that way inclined, then it could blossom in... If she actually was a bisexual woman, mm. that could have blossomed into a relationship. So, actually, she's only shagged one randomer so yeah. far in the film. That does not a slut-shaming brick make. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Dan Aykroyd appears at the apartment, and he's like, uh, what's the horrible, awful thing that's happened to you now? And at this point, he has had it. He's had enough of her and her fucking being attacked bullshit. Yeah, so this dude is bitter as fuck <laughs> that she didn't uh, reciprocate his commands, um, that they didn't end up getting any... I, I, can't, I can't do it. I just say Nahan bread. Nahan bread. Nahan bread. Nahan bread. <laughs> um, so he's fuming. She's seemingly called... We didn't see her call him, but seemingly called him in the middle of the night for him to come over. He's had a few bevies, hasn't he? Yeah, picks up the brick. He's, he's a like, bit skewer. Oh. What does it say? You're dead slut. That's not nice, is it? <laughs> and then he starts really laying into her. <laughs> like, seriously. She's just stood there like, what? Huh? He accuses her of being a cock tease. He, he, he accuses her of knowing a burglar. He's like, of course I've been drinking. What else do you think I'd do at fucking 2am? He accuses her of uh, getting off on being attacked. Mm-hmm. Um that she let the attacker in and it was some sort of um, sexual thrill for her because yeah. she's such a fucking nymphomania. <laughs> um, and all that stuff just really lays into her. He says, I hate women like you, um, driving your husband to murder. <laughs> uh, fucking young boys. Yeah, I know about you. <laughs> and so she... Asks him to leave. Yeah. But before that, she's just so confused. She's like, she keeps asking him what the fuck he's talking about. Is he confused? He, 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 he said he doesn't have time to come round anymore. <laughs> yeah. And uh, close to the door and she calls him a fucking horrible pig. <laughs> someone's, na- someone's at the door. It's Rick, Olive's husband's brother. I don't. This is... Fucking weird. So pointless. So pointless. You get another <laughs> knock at the door, seemingly late, even later at night. You know, if that was happening at two o'clock in the morning, this must be like three, four o'clock in the morning or, or at night. And uh, so she's suspicious. She's like, who is it? And then it's, uh, who's, what's his name? Rick. 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 Um, Bob's brother. Yeah. Her dead husband's brother. So she's like, oh, because she randomly threw out there that it could have been him that's been attacking her. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, are, are you sure I haven't seen you recently? You're going to punch me again if I let you in? I know. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, oh, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. So she grabs a golf club <laughs> and then very slowly, very fucking slowly, unlocks and opens the door. And what we see is not the guy who's been attacking her... <laughs> But a guy who must be about 20 years younger <laughs> than the guy who's been attacking her. Abs- no similarities whatsoever no. to the guy that's been attacking her. And she said that she saw him at the wedding. Yeah. You're getting married to someone. This is that person's brother. You can at least kind of remember what he looks like. 
you know. Um, I mean, Heather Graham's not that old in this film. She's in her mid-twenties. She can't have been married for that long. No. Really. So you, she would remember what her brother-in-law looks like, even though meeting just once. Mm-hmm. But it's a big deal. It's your wedding. It's your brother's... Uh, it's your brother. Oh, uh, it's your husband's brother. <laughs> no, your brother's husband. Um, and, yeah, he looks absolutely fuck all like the person that's been attacking her. <laughs> yeah, and he, he obviously tells her how beautiful she is. Everyone has to tell of course, her that. Of course, of course. And he has to see if his brother gave a reason for killing himself. And she's like, um, no, I don't think so. He's under a lot of pressure. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no explanation. Sometimes, some, sometimes things like this happen. And that's it. Yeah. You never see Rick ever again. No, no. Sometimes, sometimes things like this just happen. <laughs> like, really? Next <laughs> day. When he says she's beautiful, I've just seen what I've typed down. He's like, I'm sorry, it's just, you're so beautiful. <laughs> he must have loved you so much. <laughs> like, again, because it's another fucking awkward conversation, <laughs> awkward silences. Neither of them are sat down. She decides that halfway through the conversation, she's going to turn towards the corner of the room uh, whilst she's still talking to him. Imagine if you'd met someone for the first time, uh, for the second time, but you're invited into their home. You're having a real proper conversation about your dead brother and the circumstances surrounding his untimely death. And someone is talking to you, but staring at the corner of the room... What is going on here? Yeah, and we get the next day and the, the odd camera work continues and it now looks like she's skating down the street. She's just floating down she there. She is, yeah. Does that happen in proportion? I don't think it does. It might do. Um, she spots the burglar's big white car, goes into a shoe shop and tells the shopkeeper she's looking for a man. And the shopkeeper says, Honey, I can't help you with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This shopkeeper is so abrasive, considering she's just walked into the shop. It's a shoe shop. She's just she's just a customer, you know. And it's it's like she's like, "What are you doing here? Yeah, fuck off! What are you doing here in my shoe shop?" So people come in here all day long. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It looks pretty empty to me. It does. And if you're going to treat your customers like that, or potential customers like that, I I can imagine there's not that many people there. <laughs> The car follows Oliver around the block uh, before she goes into what looks like a charity shop and hides behind the clothes. And we see someone's arm in a white suit. And uh, <laughs> she's like, hey, a man's after me. And he's like, whoa, someone fit like you. I'm not surprised. I know. I'm sure there's many men after you. <laughs> like, really? Someone can remind her of a grandma how beautiful she is. That's the first thing he goes to <laughs> when he sees a woman cowering in his shop saying there's a man after her. I bet there's loads of men after her. Oh, yeah. All right, love. <laughs> he tells her that he he owns the shop, but she's like, no, nah, you're too young. He's like, I'm 24. And uh, drives her home, and he is certainly not 24. <laughs> certainly not 24. But there's like... The overlapping dialogue of them talking about how young <coughs> he is and shit and just talking shit. And it's overlapped with these images of him driving her home. And then I thought she was outside of a church, but she was outside of the apartment, but by herself. So I was wondering where mm. he dropped her, her off to. And then we cut to them 
both of them in her apartment. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, she just completely changes her personality. She's like, oh, I was making it up to get to you, you honk. Oh my God, it's a terrible <laughs> thing. So she gets him a drink uh, and tells him, uh, it's very interesting that he's from Canada, uh, and asks him uh, if it's different to where he lives now and tells him that people are more sexually open in Canada. Yeah. Of course, there's information that only a nymphomaniac would know. Yeah. The nymphomation. Um, he reveals he has his own girl at home and feels uncomfortable. And it's like, just leave if you want to leave, but don't think you're so clever, Mr. French clothing store manager. All I want is to fuck. <laughs> <She does. laughs> well, I'm so sorry. I'm staring at the corner of the room. I'm staring at the corner of the room. So Mr. French clothing store manager is really upset about this and wants to leave. Uh, but then Olive tells him, no, come on, I'm American. You know what we're like. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to call my girlfriend and tell her I'm not going home. Oh, you Americans and you're <laughs> being really horrible to people who won't sleep with you. Although, I ain't being funny. Why would he go back to her apartment? I know, yeah. Why would... You would just drop her off. Why are you going inside for a drink? So he calls his girlfriend and says, I ain't going to be home for a bit. I'm just uh, shagging this beautiful woman who looks like Madonna. He doesn't actually say that, but... <laughs> Olive takes off his suit jacket and realizes he's wearing a really ugly vest. Yeah. What is that about? She then she then takes her knickers off, throws them at him, and sits on his face. Yeah. But the way she's sitting there with no expression on her face, she looks like she's having the shit. But, like, so, again, again, he's trying to... This director, he's trying to make a point. Like, who are we meant to be judging? <laughs> You know, so is she sex obsessed, but he's the one cheating on his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Like, which, which one, you know, who's got the issue here? Yeah. Um, yeah, and another thing it never deals with. In a very, very bizarre series of events that I, I really can't, I can't tell you what this is trying to say. Um, she moves a big pot in her apartment, like an ornament. I, I don't know what it, fucking, what, like a vase, I don't know. Um, oh, it's the lamp without the lampshade. Is, is it the lamp without the lampshade? Oh, so she yeah, moves that. October. She has a lie down on the floor, has a look at a red vinyl, walks through a church where she meets a burglar, and then walks through a tunnel where Jesus punches her in the face. <laughs> I shit you not. That exact sequence <laughs> of events happens in this film. It's true. Jesus appears and punches her in the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exact, and it, it's it's a dream sequence, isn't it? I I don't out. even know. No, she is she is. Yeah, oh yes, yeah, because she's, she's asleep. She starts talking some shit about salt. <laughs> so I don't care if she sleep. buys salt rocks. Yeah, <laughs> which again means absolutely nothing. But this dream scene was her being punched in the face by Jesus. <laughs> like what? What are you trying to say, mate? What is this about? I don't know what that is what, trying to say. What is this about? But she soon woke. She soon gets woken up by uh, the burglar, who attacks her again, and she stabs him to death before beating him with a golf club. But she turns on the light and realizes it was actually Mister French clothing store manager. It's a French fashion fella. He's dead. She <laughs> killed him. The night. Yeah. Like he said, he was going to be home late to his girlfriend. That's very late, though. It must have been. A, I don't know. She's in work the next day, and this is this entire sequence is just beyond bizarre. Yeah, she's back to her typing, whatever the job that she does. I mean, 
um, how many days has this been go- all been going on? And she, this, this is the first time we've seen yeah. her work since the beginning she, of the film. She's looking a bit like Margaret White now, Carrie's mum. Um, she's typing away, and the guys in the office are like, oh, she looks trashed. Oh, I had really great sex last night. And because she hears this, she... No, she says, they say she must... They say she must have got a good fuck last oh, night. Oh, I thought one of them had a no, good fuck. No, okay. they said that's why she looks trash. She well, must have had a good fuck. I mean, she did. Night. But so she goes up to them and starts uh, shouting and screaming in their faces about how they're talking about her. And she's practically rapping. She's talking so fast. And she calls them gross scumbag pigs. Yeah. And she says she wouldn't touch a disgusting scumbag like them. Uh, punches one of them and destroys his cigar. Turns it into paper. Yeah. She then skates out of work. Uh, in one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. She's whispering to herself. I swear I heard her say, I hate men, hate men, hate men. Um, she comes across a random guy. And then she says this exact monologue. What the fuck are you looking at, you fucking pig? Go kill yourself, you ugly scumbag. Fucking pig. Fucker. Fucker. Go kill yourself, you fucking pig. Fuck off. And you could literally copy and paste that <laughs> into any YouTube comment section and it wouldn't look out of place. That exact monologue. That exact monologue, I think, has been copied by so many trolls over the years. <laughs> that exact monologue is the reason why I would never do a YouTube channel um, because people would be really horrible to me. <laughs> I'd be so scared that one day we would wake up and that exact line of dialogue would be right underneath a video of ours. That is exactly why you will never see my face on YouTube. But this guy, she doesn't know him. He's just walking to work. Yeah, just completely random guy. <laughs> completely random He's just, guy. just walked to work, minding his own business. Uh, she just launched this all-out attack on him. What are you trying to say, Mr. <laughs> Filmmaker? What is this? Because you, you've you now got this woman who's had had enough of men. She's, <laughs> she's had enough. She's had enough of men. She's finally completely lost it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And she's just going around attacking random men. Who is in the wrong now? Yeah. Who is in the wrong? Or the men have been so sleazy to her, but you've painted her out to be a slur. <laughs> like, what is? what are you trying to say? What is going on here? No fucking clue. Yeah, she, uh, <laughs> that girl just stands there looking confused and she walks off. Um, <laughs> yeah, the poor bloke. <laughs> what? She skates into her apartment uh, and looks at Mr. French clothing store manager's corpse and she says, smells in here, idiot. <laughs> yeah, and like, does the corpse smell that quickly? Like, how long is it? It hasn't been that long. It's only been, what, a few hours? Yeah, uh, the corpse starts uh, whispering to her, and she tells him to shut up before pushing the bookcase over in front of the door. Pearl comes over and tells Olive it stinks in her apartment. No, so <laughs> Pearl comes. Pearl comes over and she knocks on the door, and she's like, "Are you Are you in there? Is everything okay?" Keeps knocking. Like, "Are, are you in there? Are you in there, Olive? <laughs> Olive? What? Well, Olive's just stormed out of work." <laughs> So technically, Pearl should think that she's still in work. Yeah. Why is she getting so frustrated at the door? And also, why is Pearl not at work? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so Pearl Money tells... Her in. She tells Olive to come stay with her. 
and uh, <laughs> just to get out and uh, Olive says to, to get out of her apartment, she'll do of it herself. Pearl tries to call the police, but Olive threatens to hit her with the phone if she doesn't leave. So we get this amazing shot of Heather Graham standing there holding a phone up to Lisa Zane, threatening her to leave. So Pearl, get out. I don't care about you. You're stupid. <laughs> Pearl goes to see Dan Aykroyd. Um, yeah. He looks like he's had another haircut. And she tells him to go and protect Olive, but he ignores her. Yeah, he's still bitter. Now, now, something that I really don't understand. And I googled it afterwards, and it's not a real thing. Um, Dan Aykroyd says, the words on the brick were in a woman's handwriting. <laughs> Pearl says, what does that mean? And Dan Aykroyd says, it makes you think, though. What? Nothing, nothing makes you think, though, doesn't oh, it? Oh, did I feel to write the word nothing? <laughs> <laughs> it means it means what nothing. I just said made no sense. Sorry, <laughs> nothing makes you think, no, doesn't it? Um. So yeah. So it's not a real thing. You can't tell the gender of someone by their handwriting. <laughs> um. I I I think in some circumstances, you know, the thing is, people base it on gender stereotypes. So, but. By the looks of the bricks, she wasn't putting fucking hearts. She wasn't dotting anything <laughs> with a heart. Um, she wasn't using cursive. She was literally... Uh, oh, excuse me. Oh, my. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, my Lord. Oh, it turns out it was her. And it was a well, white hand right? Yeah. Um, but you can't tell that. You can't tell that. No. Someone writing fucking, you're a die, you slut, on a fucking brick. <laughs> But the burglar comes back and beats her up while Stan Aykroyd tells Pearl that he thinks Olive's making it all up. We now see Olive... Dan Aykroyd also says the line, I don't know, I'm just a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We now see Olive dragging herself around the hallway. The neighbours can hear what's going on. One of them's concerned, the other one's telling her to shut up. Um, And she starts shaving her own face with with a man's razor... Um, is that a man's disposable razor? Or could it be for her legs? It could be for her legs. Either way, she's shaving her face. Probably for her legs. Um, throwing herself around the living room whilst Pearl and Dan Aykroyd head over. So it's the classic, done and, tried and tested, overdone, well, Fight Club is after this actually. This is probably inspired Fight Club. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the novel for Fight Club came out. Yeah, it's, it's been, this has been done so many times and I honestly whenever it happens now I just fucking roll my eyes it's it's ridiculous I don't think it's been done as poorly as it has with this no well I don't know do you remember The Secret of Marabone oh god oh. yeah but but that's slightly I mean that's slightly different I mean each film kind of deals with it in a different way mm. um this whole idea that you're doing it to yourself oh there was a film Oh, I can't remember. He did it quite trashily. What I don't get with this film... Oh, the Fight Club novel came out in 1996. Oh, see? So he, may, he may have see? watched this film and been like, oh, mate, let's <laughs> let's do it, but include more soap. Um, what I don't get is that you... Uh, this film is about men's treatment of women, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly by the director. And... Uh, men not believing women. Yeah. Uh, violence against women. Mm-hmm. And your big twist at the end is that she was doing it to herself the whole time. Yeah, she's crazy. 
that renders everything she, completely fucking pointless. She cheated on her boyfriend, and she cheated on her husband. Yeah, made him kill herself, and himself. then she went crazy from the guilt of doing that, and ended up. Uh, making up all this lies, Western police time and everything. Exactly. Pretend to attack us. How is that trying to say something about misogyny that's and not, not doing the complete opposite? That's misogynistic in itself. Yeah. It's fucking shit. And then the twist is really poorly executed because you get these intricate scenes of um, Olive attacking herself mm. with her being attacked by this guy yeah. she's created in her head. Um, but when you're intercutting between the two, mm-hmm. I mean, Heather Graham as, as an actress should at least be in a similar stance. Yeah. Um, but it just looks, it just doesn't look right. No. So like her, sh- her being forced to shave her own face, her hand when, um, whatever the guy, whatever the guy, um, burglar. she's created, the burglar, um, it, when he's holding her hand and making her do it, it's much higher than when mm. she's doing it. Yeah. It just doesn't fit together. Also, it shows the image of her shaving her own face on the back of the DVD cover. So it does, yeah. If you yeah, wanted to watch this about spoilers, don't buy it on DVD. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, so she, she's being thrown around everywhere by herself. Uh, Olive ties the phone cord around her neck and stares out the window for far too long uh, before hanging herself at the exact moment that Pearl and Dan Aykroyd arrive. And uh, some of the neighbours find Mr. French clothing store manager's corpse. And then they think someone's killed them both. So, I mean, technically, they still don't know. She just did it to herself. Yeah. And uh, Paul Chuckle is watching on outside, dressed as Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Um, Dan Aykroyd pushed them out of the way to have a look. And Pearl slowly walks up to Olive's corpse and uh, stares at it, falls to her knees and the film ends. Yeah, so the guy earlier that asked her about her groceries, he's the one that finds uh, from the French fashion fella's body and um, he says, that, oh, it's such a shame. She was such a beautiful... Even in death, <laughs> it carries Such a beautiful on. woman. She's such a beautiful girl and I think she, she took a liking to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you know, is this a comedy? <laughs> It's not. It's not meant to be a comedy, but it plays out like one. Um, it just. I just. The, the the twist is so forced and stupid, and shit. Um, because like who who threw the brick then? Who threw it? Us as an audience saw that brick, fly through the window from the outside, with Olive in the apartment. When it's done in Fight Club, it goes back through the film mm-hmm. and shows us. And we're like, oh, my God. Twist like The Sixth Sense. A good twist shows us. And we can go back and we can watch the film again, knowing that twist, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, my God. It was right there in front of us. It was played out, you, you know, um, so well and it's so fully thought through, and the screenplay is so expertly written that we it has a rewatch factor where you watch it again, or it goes back into a flashback, but you can watch it yeah, again. My bloody Valentine, three days. Yeah, exactly. In this film, you'd if we watch this again, knowing the twist, 
Even though you can, like, stake out the twist from the very beginning, let's be fair, <laughs> a very predictable twist, um, but you go back through it and you're like, well, how did she do, how did she do that? How did she, like, we're there and we, you know, as an audience have seen certain things happen, mm-hmm. which never really happened, so it just makes it a cheap twist. That brick could not have come through the window from the outside while she was inside the apartment. Also, how did she throw a brick five stories up? Exactly. Through a fucking window. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Did she fly outside? Oh, she can level, she can float, can't she? And did she just completely imagine the white car? Is that a, is that a complete, <laughs> you know, is she just a woman that was running through the streets? You know, yeah. that white car never existed. It's just, it just makes no kind of sense. Nope, but that's Evil Never Sleeps. That is Evil Never Sleeps. <laughs> I, I think it, it's thoroughly entertaining, <laughs> despite how terrible it is. I think it's shit. <laughs> I wasn't entertained at all, I thought it was stupid. Not even by her monologue at that random guy. No, no, <laughs> really, no. No, it wasn't even so bad, it's good. It was just shit. Well, the link is up on our social media if you want to check it out. Um, want to watch it? On YouTube in full. Is yeah. it really? It is. Oh, what a shame for everyone. Um, so if you... Uh, if... I might type out that little uh, bit of dialogue underneath. <laughs> yeah. No, so I would never. That's a horrible thing. If, if, you're, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, follow, and everything else. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, GazCruz92 on Twitter, and Gaz92 on Instagram. I am ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next Tuesday yet. Someone hasn't decided. Oh. It's a surprise. Oh, okay. Uh, but we'll be back on Friday next week. So Tuesday and Friday, it's double episode week. And on Friday, we will be discussing The Hitcher for Original versus Remake. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah? Yes. So we will see you same time, same place next week. Bye.